Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Amazing. You know, it's been such an awesome privilege through all these years that the Lord has graced me and been able to give me the privilege and honor to pastor. And as a pastor, you get to watch how God is moving in the lives of people around you and to just see that gifts increase on individuals in their lives. And um, man, just even just in our, in our worship team, to see the... Um, <coughs> to see the Holy Spirit start to minister and start to change individuals and begin to give them greater giftings and greater abilities. And, and uh, it's just, it's awesome. And to just, it's, it's part of, I think it's kind of a confirmation of this message that I started last week about seasons, new seasons. And there's seasons that you walk in and seasons of growth and seasons of, of maturity and seasons of, just you see people just being changed by by the spirit of god by the word of god by the their desire to go deeper in the things of god and it's an amazing thing we need to be aware of that in each other so that we can encourage each other it's so easy to look at faults and flaws and character deficiencies in each other but we're called to encourage each other and to provoke each other into even more good works. Gooder, gooder works. <laughs> and to, uh, you know, I watch, I've watched Raina over the years. We've watched her, all of us have watched her, but particularly we have watched her. And, and uh, you know, she's, she gets up here and she sings. But that's just... Uh, that's just like a surface thing. And I don't mean that in a, because deep down inside, she's, she's got a heart of a preacher. And you can tell when she gets up here and she begins to share, it just comes out. Yeah. And so we see that season that, that she's entering into. And uh, doesn't mean you're going to stop singing. <laughs> and just seasons of just growth and, and maturity and seasoning. You know, something that doesn't have any seasoning in it is like, like when you cook macaroni with no salt. It's flat. Amen. Cook rice with no salt, no seasoning, no butter, no nothing. So we, we, can, we can witness the seasoning in, in one another. You know, I, I uh, have watched Pastor Beth over the years. Now, I've always known she had a heart for intercession and prayer and for just uh, putting herself in the hands of, of God, the Holy Spirit. But to see what she has stepped into in the past year and those around her and the two Karens and uh, Karen and Karen, Karen A and Karen B, and, uh, and others that get together on Thursdays to come here and pray. And, and a lot of the stuff that we're walking in right now has been birthed in the little one-hour prayer meeting on, on Thursday mornings. Um, 
And Karen, which one do you want to be, A or B? Which one do you want? A. 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 You're B. To see you step into an even deeper level of maturity and a deeper level of uh, understanding and grasping what leadership really is and the responsibility that comes with it. That's been a blessing to watch. And, uh, you know, don't get mad if I don't pick you. <laughs> but I was standing there and sitting there before, and I'm thinking, my gosh, and this young man that, oh, my gosh. And see, he's not here now. He's, now he's finished here, and he goes next door and sings and leads worship for the teenagers. And he and his brother Jack, and I keep thinking about these two little 12-year-olds that came here eight years ago, frightened little kids, you know, and then, and then they got a hold of the message of the gospel of salvation, and they made Jesus their Lord and their Savior, and then began to grow. But the greatest growth we've seen in this past year, them, uh, as they begin to uh, recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, you're sitting there thinking, what's he bragging about these people? No, I'm trying to encourage you to press in. Because it's very, very obvious. Paul said to Timothy, give you, whatever you give yourself wholly over unto becomes apparent unto all. You know, it's very easy to see when somebody has given themselves over to a lifestyle of substance abuse or alcohol abuse or things of that nature. They, you know, many times you, it's very obvious on the outside. It's also very obvious when that person, that same person, has drawn a threshold and said, that's it. This is not going to be my life anymore. And with the help of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the grace of God, when they give themselves wholly over unto the things of God, it becomes apparent at all. That's, that's really the kind of essence of this season that we're entering into. And, and in a very real way, whatever you give yourself wholly over unto, if you become students of the word of God, you're going to walk in the wisdom of the word of God. And, it, and like Paul says, it becomes apparent unto all. Now, it's not, we're not in a in a race together, competing with one another. We're in a race to reach and to fulfill the plan that God has for our lives. And each one of us has that responsibility to run it according to the word of God. And just, uh, again, I could stand here tonight and just go from person to person to person. And uh, I want to just encourage you. Find your lane Find your course. Find your assignment. And, and just run with it. And just don't worry about who's running next to you. Don't worry about who's getting ahead of you, who's lagging behind. Don't worry about what other people are attaining. Concern yourself with this. I want to hear those words when I get to heaven. Well done, a good and faithful servant. And we're not going to be compared to one another. Jesus is not going to say, why can't you be like your big brother? <laughs> But what will happen is the plan that God had for us will be unfolded before us. He's got a book, you know. And your name's in it. And according with that name, there's a plan that we're supposed to fulfill. And in a very real sense, nobody can fulfill that plan the way you can. Somebody else might accomplish a goal, but it won't be done exactly the same way. That's why it's so important for you to run your race. It's so important for you to be very aware of the season that you're in. Some people are in seasons of acceleration right now where things are happening very quickly. 
And you turn around and go, wow, I went from that to here, and bam, it just seemed like it happened overnight. Other people are in, rest- in, in seasons of restoration, seasons of preparation. We're always in preparation for whatever's coming next, you know? So, what we're talking about on Wednesday nights is that we need to, uh, to really remind ourselves that more, more than ever now that we've been created to accomplish great things. And you must understand and realize and grasp the fact that um, the more aware you become of the accomplishment that God is expecting from us, the more obstacles appear, the more challenges will come. See, the devil never sits back and goes, I leave them alone. The enemy is always active. And if it's not the enemy, it's our own soul sometimes. And I don't know if you can understand this, but there's some parts of our soul that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my gosh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. What I'm trying to say is there's, there's facets of our soul that will ambush us and, and cause us to fail. What is it? Sabotage, thank you. And, and you may be aware of that. There are things in our life that, that sometimes pop up to try to sabotage us because we're afraid to succeed sometimes. We're afraid of the responsibility that comes with it. We're afraid that if we succeed here, then God's gonna want even more. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the way it works. That's the parable of the talents, you know. You take from the one who didn't do anything with it, you give it to the one who's doing the most. That is a principle in the kingdom that many people don't understand. Well, this, I got so much on my plate already, Pastor. Well, that's why I'm coming to you. Because according to the parable of the talents, Jesus took from the person who did nothing, and he didn't give it to the one who was doing mediocre. He gave it to the one who was doing the most. I learned that principle years ago because I was one of those two that wore about 25 different hats. And when I understood the principle of the talent, I realized when I'm being asked by God or one of God's servants to do something, they're they're asking me because I've had a track record of success. If you want something done good, you give it to the person who's done good already. Amen? Now, you didn't like that because it didn't make sense to you. But what about that? They're sitting there doing nothing. Well, usually there's a reason why people are sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> All right, I'll move on. So our goal is to learn how to maneuver and navigate through the seasons so that we get the best out of those seasons. I don't think you're grasping this. Because this is heavy-duty stuff. We have opportunities to grow because there's opportunities to go. If there's no place to go and nothing to do, there's no reason to prepare for anything. You catching that? So if you're in a season where you're sensing that God's pulling you in a certain direction, that's a good thing. Because we're not supposed to just float. Jellyfish float. Sharks are determined. Sharks have purpose. Jellyfish is, okay, where are we going now? We're not called to be jellyfish. We're called to be sharks. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Who's going to do it? Oh God, oh God, just change me, God. Oh God, oh God, just, 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 just you do it, God. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Now, I will say this much. Don't be such a hurry. (laughs) You're not going to be able to do that without the grace of God. But you also have to be there to receive the grace of God. The grace of God always comes from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if if you're not... If, you're not, if you haven't developed a good relationship with the Holy Spirit, you may want to. You may need to. Because it's going to be the, your ability to lay aside every weight, and where we're going with this, and the sin that so easily besets you or ensnares you, is going to be dependent on your intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of God, the agent of the kingdom here on earth. Okay, no, we're taught, you know, Jesus taught us that we're supposed to pray to the Father in his name, and we're supposed to. Uh, but when you receive help, here on the earth, um, you're receiving it from Jesus, but it's going through and being delivered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if you're not real aware of the Holy Spirit, you're not, if you haven't grown to recognize his voice, then, you know, you might miss it. Are you listening? So the ability, once we realize, yeah, it's, it's my job to lay aside these weights, and um, we're not in a hurry tonight, right? You know, we, we're, we're good, right? All right, because I want to take my time with this stuff because there's so much good stuff in these scriptures. We understand and we have to recognize that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That cloud of witnesses are people. You understand that, right? Witnesses, witnesses. It's not talking about a rain cloud. It's talking about people. Okay, so we understand that there is an element in heaven. There is a part of heaven, a part of the spirit realm um, where they know what's going on over here. That's scary. Because your loved ones that went on, that were in the Lord, <laughs> they know what's going on here. And they're, they're kind of like, you know, cheering us on. So because we're surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, I, many times uh, I think about uh, the child that my wife and I uh, lost uh, during pregnancy. And um, I think about the fact that he's watching He's aware of what's going on here. He's aware of when his father makes a jerk out of himself. He's aware of that. When his father messes up, he's aware of that. And, and sometimes that'll, that's a restrainer. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't want to disappoint them. It's one thing if you're disappointing somebody you've never met. You don't know who they are. They're up there in heaven. I don't know. I never met you on the earth. I don't really know you. But when it's somebody that you know that's gone on, that's, that, that was somebody that was connected to you, that could be a restrainer. Oh, so, so we recognize that, right? We recognize that? Okay, so... So because we understand that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. So you know, if, if I have to lay something aside, that means it's in my way, right? Okay, we're not, we're not talking about a distraction. We're not talking about something that's over here that could get my eye. Psalm 1 covers all that stuff as far as being distracted. We're talking about something that's in our way. And we have to lay it aside. We have to choose to. No, no, I'm not getting involved in that. No, I'm not going to get bogged down. No, I'm not going to get caught up in that. It's a weight. Okay, so it's a weight. I'm going to lay it aside. I I either have to kick it out of the way or I have to unload it. Have you ever gone through seasons of life and you came out through a season of life and recognized, oh man, I I could have did that so much better if I wasn't carrying this weight. So we need to lay aside. It's our responsibility with the power of the Holy Spirit 
lay aside every weight, and go to the next scripture. And the sin, now I don't know which one that is. I know what it could be in my life, I don't know what it could be in your life. And, and, and there's probably various categories. So, so number one, I need to recognize that there's, there's a cloud of witnesses that are cheering me on, okay? I don't know if they're praying for us, <laughs> I don't really know. We don't have any indication in the Word of God because they could if they want, maybe. But we're not, that, we're not told that, so we really can't go into that direction, okay? But we know they're aware of what's going on over here. I need to be aware then also, need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit who's going to make me aware of what the weight is that I'm carrying. What is that thing that's in my way? What is that thing that's, that, what is that obstacle so that I can, I can do what? Lay it aside. And then the sin, which so easily what? ensnares. And we know this is written to believers. This is not written to individuals who have not yet experienced being born again, not yet experienced the forgiveness of sins, not yet. This is written to believers. And it's funny because you see, before you're born again, sin doesn't have to ensnare you because you're already a sinner. Are you catching that? It's your nature. But when we are born again, and the Holy Spirit has come to live inside us, it's no longer our nature, it's not natural. Now, we can still sin, but we're sinning against our nature. In other words, we've gotta step outside of that nature to sin. It's not natural. So, Pastor, you wouldn't know in my life, if you hung around me, it seems pretty natural, it's pretty easy. And the sin has to ensnare you. As, as a believer, as a Christian, as a child of God, the sin just can't automatically overtake you. It has to ensnare you. You remember what happened to Adam and Eve? It wasn't natural for them to turn against God. Sin had to come and do what? Ensnare them. Because they were created in a position of righteousness. They were created already in relationship with God, right? So, so sin was not their nature. Sin became their nature once they entertained it, being, having been ensnared, having been deceived by the enemy. Are you catching this? Because why I'm spending time on this is if you don't understand the mechanics of sin, it's going to be easier to ensnare you and to overtake you. If we understand the mechanics of sin, we'll be able to, to resist it better. And understand there's always an opportunity there's always that three, four seconds when you realize, mm, I better not, I just bet, don't, don't do it, don't do it. Don't think it, don't say it, don't click on it. Oh, you got that one, huh? There's always that few seconds, there's always that split second. So we're supposed to lay aside every way and the sin, which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with what? See, that's the thing, the endurance, that's the thing that we want to guard. That's the fuel that's gonna get you from one season to the next. That's the fuel that's gonna keep you going. That is the incentive, that, no, not really incentive. That is the, the dynamic power on the inside of you that's gonna take you from one season to the next. But look what, it's, look what happens. Before we, before we get to experience endurance, we've gotta do what? Lay aside the weights. And we gotta get rid of the sin that so easily ensnares us. How's that gonna happen? Tim, I know this isn't in the notes, but could you go to, to Titus chapter two? And I think it starts in verse 11. 
This is my go-to verse. I think it's 11. I think it starts in 11. It goes down to 14. Titus, T-I-T-U-S. U-S. T-I-T. You got it? T-I-T. Here we go. Now, look at this. Look at this. Let me tell you how I found this scripture, okay? Does anybody want to know how I found this scripture? Years ago, we lived in Seaside Park. And in that season of my life, we had just gone into bankruptcy, so I was semi-retired. Um, so <laughs> I would get up in the morning. We were, about, we were like a half a block, well, no, one house from the bay and like a block and a half from the ocean. And I would get up early in the morning, and I would walk the streets of Seaside Park and pray. Pray. I was probably praying out this church and pray, just praying the Spirit, go up the boardwalk, up and down. Back then, they had uh, these things called telephone booths. You remember those? <laughs> How many remember what a telephone booth looked like? It was, for you young people, there was like a glass box that had this, this thing inside, this contraption that had a handle and had a cord that was attached to the... And what I would do is I would get these little gospel tracts. You know what a gospel tract is? A little pamphlet that explained the gospel, and I had a whole stock of them. I had, actually had a whole case of them. And I would go in the back of my van, get a bunch of them, walk in this, I would put them in people's cars, I would put them wherever, and I would put them in these telephone booths. And then one day when I was coming home, I'm sorry, one, one day I was going out early, it was about five o'clock in the morning, obviously the summer, if you know me with the winter, it had to be the summer. And I went in the back of my van, and there was one single track that was different from the rest of the case of gospel tracks. And that gospel track, was specifically designed to minister to Jehovah Witnesses. Do we have anybody here that comes from that background? We won't throw you out. <laughs> so anybody here that came out of that background or presently in that background? Okay, you sure? Okay, now, one of the doctrines of the Jehovah Witnesses is that they do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe that he's God. They don't believe that he, they don't believe in the Trinity, okay? And this one particular scripture quoted Titus chapter 2. Um, we'll go through it and I'll explain it to you. So, well, let me just say the story. So when we get through, through the scripture, and it, it, it literally proves that Jesus is God, and it's quoting the same verse of scripture in the book of Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 41, where they get the name witness. And it literally talked about how Jesus is God. So I go out on my little errand, and I'm around praying. And on the way back, um, I, I came in the house. Barb was up, upstairs where the bedrooms were, and she's looking out the front windows, and she sees two people going up and down the street. And she yells downstairs. I'm in the living room downstairs, second floor, and third floor was the bedrooms. And she says, um, I think there's two Jehovah's Witnesses coming up the street. I said, I'm ready. <laughs> Oh my God, I was like, oh, you talk about divine appointment. <laughs> and so that's how I discovered the truth. This just jumped on. So every time I go to the scripture, I remember that incident, how God, in his mercy and his compassion and love, had, for those individuals, had armed me with this scripture. So let, let's read it together. You don't have to read it out loud. Just read it with me. For the grace of God that brings salvation. Now, who's that? Who's the grace of God that brought salvation? Jesus has appeared to all men, next verse, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, 
righteously in that position that God called us to, and godly in the present age, keep going, looking for the blessed hope, here it comes, and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, who? Jesus Christ. You see it? Okay, so if you ever get in one of those arguments, go to Titus chapter two. All right, let's go back to uh, verse 11. For the grace of God, so the subject here is what? Grace. So the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, comma, next verse, teaching us. What's supposed to teach us? Grace. Yet if you listen to most people teaching on television right now about grace and most books that are being sold right now, grace is being limited to Band-Aid. Grace is being limited to, well, you, you messed up, you're okay. And you mess up the next day, when you're okay. And you mess up the next day, and you're okay. And you mess up the next day, and well, you're under the grace of God. Well, well when does it change? The grace of God that appeared to all men bringing salvation does what? Teaches. And what does it teach us to do? Watch us now. Because this is connected to the scripture in Hebrews 12. Teaches us that, to do what? To deny ungodliness. Isn't that interesting? To deny it. To deny it. When something ungodly comes, no, no, no. I deny your right to get involved in my life. I deny you the power to strangle me. I deny you the ability to attach yourself to me. I deny you the ability to become a habit in my life. I deny you ungodliness and worldly lusts, which are ungodly desires, worldly desires. And for what purpose? That we should live soberly. What's a good definition of soberly? In your right mind, that's good. Um, Thinking clear, balanced. And righteously. Now you would think that soberly and righteously, but they are two different things. You would think, well, it's the same thing, balance, walking in, you know, not, not, not walking in drunkenness, obviously. But righteously means that you're going to walk out of the position, or you're going to live in, out of the position that Christ has placed you in. You see, the, the, the biblical concept of righteousness is so much different than the worldly concept of righteousness. See, the worldly concept of righteousness means because you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't eat this, you don't eat that, you don't go here, you don't go there, you dress this way, you don't dress this way, you eat that, you don't eat this, that that makes a person righteous. No, it doesn't. It makes a person arrogant and full of pride and haughtiness. Righteousness means that I'm living in the awareness that if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be going to hell. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be subject to every vice and every habit and every addiction and would be completely powerless. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd have no hope of going to heaven. If it wasn't for Jesus, in other words, I am able to live this life denying ungodliness and worldly desires because of the position that Christ has placed me in. You you see, it's not self-dependent. Uh, are you listening? It's, it's not dependent upon your willpower. Well, you know, so-and-so is going to be okay because, you know, they got really strong willpower. Oh, God. So we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to deny ungodliness. We're supposed to tell them, no, you, you have no place in my life. And worldly desires, worldly lusts, which are usually selfish and self-centered, so that we should live soberly, 
with, you know, with good presence of mind, out of the position that Christ died to put us in, and godly, reflecting God's image, his likeness, in, this, in the present age. Now, mind you, he wrote that 2,000 years ago. We're still in that present age. Uh, I'll prove it to you. What's the next verse? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of God, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So in other words, that grace is still in effect, that power of grace to teach us what to deny, what to stay away from, what, how to live, is still in power until Jesus comes back. That's this present age. So, if you take this and go back to Hebrews chapter 12, I guess verse two maybe. Are you seeing the connection here? Because you see in Hebrews, uh, well, verse one. In Hebrews we're told that we're supposed to lay aside every weight. Well, how am I gonna do that in my own power? I, I can't. And people live and die frustrated trying to do it in their own power. But when we tap into the grace of God, and we understand that he graces us, and, and here's what I want to get across real strong. Just look at me for a minute, so I know you're not distracted. Look at me for a second. Grace has to be received. Please, grace is not automatic. If it was automatic, everyone would go to heaven. Are you catching this? If grace was automatic, everybody would be healed. If grace was automatic, there wouldn't be one person suffering in any kind of addiction. Everybody would be healed, everyone would be saved, everybody would be set free, everybody would, we'd be living like it was in the garden. If you are one of those people that entertain this thought, well, you know, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me, you don't know the Bible. It's not a matter of whether God wants you to have something. It's a matter of, can you receive it? Now, now don't, right away, when I said stuff like that, some of you went to money, went to cars, went to things. That's easy stuff. Think about the person who just can't get, they can't wrap their head around salvation. They can't fathom how a man who you've never met, living on the other side of the world 2,000 years ago, could die in your place. And because those individuals will not allow faith to rise up in their heart, they can't receive salvation. And it's not God that's withholding it. It's a person that doesn't want to entertain it. So you see what I'm saying? So you and I are never going to win any battles until we understand that the primary reason for my faith is for me to receive grace. Oh my God, that's good. I never said that before. Man, that is good. Somebody better write that down so you can send it to me later. The primary reason for our faith is to receive grace. Faith on its own doesn't manifest anything. Faith is a mechanism that God placed in us that is supposed to shoot out of our heart and attach itself to the grace of God. And whatever that grace is at that time that we need. 34 years ago, when this little lady came to my place of business, and spent almost two and a half hours telling me about Jesus. Something broke on the inside of me. Some realization just began to crystallize and form. 
And then about three weeks later, on a Wednesday night, I found myself in a little church on the other side of Bricktown, not that far from here. And about 9.30 that night, the pastor gave what we call the altar call. And something just shot out of my heart and just went, boom, and connected to what that man was saying. And I was sitting in a chair back about this side of that sanctuary, halfway back on that side. And all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, I was standing up here in front of that pastor, crying like a baby. What happened? The faith in me shot out and grabbed a hold of the reality of the grace that he was talking about. That Jesus Christ could transform my life and take me from being a loser and the degenerate and everything else that I was and, and totally take me in a completely different direction. That same formula works for everything. That same formula works for everything. So in this, in this context, we're talking about getting rid of the weights, getting rid of the sin, getting rid of the obstacles that are in our path because you have a plan to fulfill. I have a plan to fulfill. Now, in one, to one extent or another, every one of us have wasted time. And that is the thing that concerns me more than anything. In my, in my own personal life, I'm talking about now. I'm talking about you, you got your own things. I got mine, you got yours. Is that, what, how much time have I wasted entertaining weights when I should have laid them aside? How much time did I waste getting fascinated with something that I should have been denying? It's been 34 years I'm walking in this thing. I, I honestly think, and, and just let me vent, okay? not going to do any good. I can't change anything. I honestly think I should have been doing this much earlier. But I wasted years. Wasted time. I think how much more I could have accomplished. Thank you. Um, thank you. For what? For doing what doing. Oh, I thought you meant thank me for wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, John. I understand that. And I, and I received that. I know your heart. I know what you're trying to say. But I, I think about... Um, how many of you watched Schindler's List years ago when that was out? How many? Come on. Anybody else? That's it? Guys need to go watch that movie. At the end of the movie, he says, if I would have sold this ring, if I would have sold this or that or the other things, I could have saved so many more people. I think that's the kind of heart we all should have because that will keep us aware of am I, am I entertaining a weight that I should be laying aside? Am I accepting a sin that I should be denying? Have I, am I walking like a drunk? I mean that figuratively, or it could be literally when I should be walking in righteousness. Do I have a hope that my blessed Savior is going to return one of these days, or am I just living like he's never coming? There's a difference. Think about this. What would we be doing right now if we knew Jesus was coming tomorrow morning? Would we just be sitting around? Now, I I think if we're here, we'd all be on our knees right now praying for our loved ones. We'd be confessing everything we possibly could think of. 
even throw some in that you might make up just in case you forgot some. <laughs> Am I right or what? You live differently when you're aware. Listen to me, I'm gonna wrap this up here for tonight anyway. You live differently when you're aware of the season. And I think that's the most important thing as Christians. There's, there was a family in the Old Testament. One of the sub-tribes was called the sons of Issachar. I don't know who Issachar was, but obviously he had a bunch of sons that made him proud. And it's the only thing it says about the sons of Issachar, that family was, they knew how to discern the seasons. Man, I had, from the first moment I ever read that, I was like, I wanna be that. Because oh, if you can discern the seasons, then you can see trouble from afar. If you can discern the seasons, then you know why God may be leading you in the direction that he is. Why, if you understand your seasons and what season you're in, then you can understand the purpose that even adversity serves. You know, remember this, okay? If David, little David, the shepherd boy, didn't understand the season that he was in, he would have never encountered his worst adversity that made him king. When you get a Goliath show up in your life, you go, oh God, why God, oh God. Hey, Goliath made David. You didn't catch that. Goliath drew the king out of David. But if he didn't understand the season, it was when his father said to him, I'm gonna you know, load you up, I want you to go bring this bread and these raisins and this cheese and this stuff and bring it to your brother on the battlefield. If he would've went, oh, why do I have to go? You're always asking me to go, why can't I go? Why don't you ask him, why don't you ask the other guy, why don't you get one of the servants? But he, he must have perceived he was in a season of preparation. Because, and here's the reason I'm saying this, David was not liked by his brothers. And you, you read the story, he shows up on a battlefield, even though he showed up with the food cart. His brother's like, what are you doing here? You just, show, you just, want, to, you just want to showboat. You just want to come here and everybody see you. <laughs> what? But he understood the season he was in. So when you understand the season you're in, even the adversity you'll see as, yeah, I can do this. Because out of this adversity, I'm going to come out on the other side a different person. I'm gonna be equipped, I'm gonna come out of this being able to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and live righteously and soberly in this present age while I'm waiting for the blessed hope of my Savior, my great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so you going through adversities right now? Just, just give it, just tell him, go ahead, knock yourself out, give it your best. Because even if you knock me down, when I get up, you better watch out. You going through challenges right now? You think God's not aware of that? Sometimes it's the challenges that get us to get enough anger to kick that weight aside. God said, I'm going through this time. You either get out of the way or I'm gonna go over you. Determination. I wanna end with this tonight. Be determined that you're gonna navigate through your seasons and come up on the other side with the gold. You might catch a couple of bruises here and there, but you're gonna come up on the other side with the gold. You listening? Welcome those things. Your sword needs to be sharp. A sword only stays sharp when it's in battle. Don't be afraid of the battle. 
Don't be afraid when God seems like he's pushing you out on the front lines. Welcome that. Welcome that. Because with that always comes the equipment to win. Always. You got it? So we're going through some seasons. We're going to go through them together. We're going to sharpen each other. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to lift each other up. We're going to be transparent and open with each other in order so that we can, we can confront some things. Why? Because we're supposed to build each other up. It's us and God. That's it. But that's more than enough. All right, so let's read that scripture again in Hebrews, and then we're going we're gonna to finish for tonight. This is awesome. I'm going to be able to come back next week again and do some more of this. I've got to listen to this. There's some good stuff came out tonight. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do what? What are we laying aside? Every weight and... And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set where? Before us. Oh, man. Let's just finish this thought. You realize that God, I can't think of any place where God wants you to turn around and focus on the past. He always wants you to focus on the future. So we run with endurance the race that I could have won <laughs> if I just did this and if I could and I should have and I should have did this and I should. That's never God. That voice is never God. Let us run with endurance, determination, resolve. The race that is set where? Before us. Now learn, learn from back there, but don't live back there. That's done. You can't do anything about it. The good and the bad. It's done. Can't do anything about it. Let's run this race that's before us. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.